And Lord, I pray that you would be that God that is above everything else in our life. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The welcome books are getting ready to come by. So make sure you sign in and get everything going there. Right after that, offering will be coming by. I mentioned this first service, but I always think that it's pretty cool that you can just pay online. How many like paying online? You just do the tithing online. I love that. I'm like, ah, that's, yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe it's not that exciting to you, but it's exciting to me. That's, that's cool. How's everybody doing? Did you know football has started? And Michigan has already lost. Man, man. <clears throat> I'm not saying anything about that. I'm not saying if I'm pro or con. I'm just saying, no, it is kind of sad. Anybody grieve a little bit over that? A few people. I mean, very few, very few. Well, cool, man. We are heading into fall, and um, it is exciting unless you're going to school Tuesday. Um, Then it's just exciting if you're a parent. Going, Yeah, yeah, this is is sweet. This is good. Um, Today we're going to look at integrity. And um, when usually when I say the word integrity, the definition that kind of comes to your mind, it'll be coming up here in a moment, is this thing to do with morals and this thing to do with ethics. How many how many is this the definition you think of when you think of integrity? Raise your hand. This is all about participating today. So you don't fall asleep and I don't fall asleep. It's a good thing. Yeah. So this is. This is the idea behind integrity when most of us think about integrity. And if you look at our society, really probably any point in history, if you look at integrity, it's such a crucial thing. To, to be the person that you're saying that you are, like that it's not a behind-the-scenes thing going on that can be discovered. Just lately, I mean, we've heard on the news over and over of these people that have been busted for this, being exposed for that. I'm like... Oh my gosh, man, integrity. If we just had this integrity, uh, that's a whole other sermon series that somebody else can do. There's another definition of integrity that I want to look at real quickly today, and um, it's a different thing. Let's go to that one. The state of being whole, entire or undiminished, a sound, unimpaired, or perfect condition. It is the strength. Integrity also has to do with the strength of something. It is that durability. I was telling the first service that um, I had a sweet car. I love sports cars, but I can only afford them once they're about 25 years old. That's, that's when I get them. When they're probably no longer cool, I'm going, sweet, I can get it now. So I, I had this sports car when um, my kids were really young. And... Um, Sweet, sweet thing. I, to me, I mean, you ever have that ride that just you get in it and you just feel cool? Anybody? Yeah. You know, you're not cool before, but you get in it and all of a sudden you're cool. I'm, I'm not cool away from that thing, but I get in and I'm like, check me out. Yeah, I am pretty sweet right now. And so I thought, well, because I am so cool in the car and the car, the car is so cool, I need to drive this thing through the car wash and just get it shining so that when you look at it, You'll just be dazzled right there. Like, ah, let's do this. So I ran through the car wash. And um, as I begin to go through this car wash, the, the first brush, like, hits my car. And there goes my wipers. Like, wow. 
like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you're just, you're, I mean, you're just a prisoner. You know, you're just going for the ride. And so I'm going through there, and all of a sudden, my antenna is gone. Whoa. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I had some little chrome pieces on the, the fin of my car. It was just ripped off. I'm like, as I'm going through this car wash, my car is basically being disassembled like Legos and being thrown behind me. And I went from being cool in my own mind for like a second to them having to shut down the car wash and me having to go. Well, they're at the end and they're going, hey, mister, we shut it down and you can go in there and pick up your parts. And I'm like, all right, thank you. Here's my wipers. Here's my antenna. Thank you. And oh my humiliation, man, as my car just disintegrated there. And then I go in being cool and I drive out like with a pile of parts in my passenger seat just going, oh, how humiliating, how humiliating. There's just this disintegration that went on. When we talk about integrity, that is something that car was missing. I guess super glue doesn't do the job for your car. Integrity is the strength that if your car goes through the car wash, it has some strength to it. Integrity, when I think about it, is this. Integrity of an airplane. This is what came to my mind. I love flying. I love getting to a destination quick. But in midair, I'm a little scared sometimes. Integrity is what holds this plane together. This is integrity. Integrity is about the ability to survive the pressure or the thrust of takeoff. That the wings are not going to rip off mid-flight. Anybody had that fear? You see them vibrating out there. You're not going, oh, no, oh, no, Lord, forgive me right now. The engines will not tear off as they speed up. That no matter how cold it gets, they're not going to be like Iron Man and just freeze up and hit the ground. No matter how hot it gets, it's not going to weaken or melt. That when the plane experiences turbulence, it will not shake apart. That it will land. And that the landing gear will remain solid and it will handle the impact and the speed of the landing, that the brakes will not give out as it tries to slow down. There's this integrity that maybe sometimes we don't even think about as we're flying, but this beast is up in the air, and it is going through all this tremendous temperature change, pressure change, speed change, and in my mind, I'm going, oh, Lord, just please don't help it to disintegrate along the way. There's an integrity that this thing has to be built with. It has to be tested. And so when I look at this, I compare it to our lives as Christians and go, I observe whether it's my life or somebody else's, and they have a great takeoff, but somewhere along the way, they disintegrate in error. You ever watch that happen before? Somebody's life, somebody's faith takes off great. The trip is planned ahead. It's going to be good. I just love God. It's going to be great. Somewhere along the line, we disintegrate along our trip and we never make it to that destination. Maybe it's our own personal life where I, man, I kicked off the year and it's going to be a great year. This is how summer was going to be. Man, I was going to draw close to God. It was just going to be this. And somewhere along the, the line, my faith has kind of disintegrated along the way. That's my concern. This is what I want, to, I want to talk about today. And today I've just kind of laid out my sermon in a way of just, just talking to you, just to try to encourage you. Because I'd love, just like Paul and these guys said, hey, to, to finish the race strong, I'd, I'd want to see us finish the race strong. Not just beginning and looking good, but to finish this race strong. 
when we look at this, why do we uh, kind of experience some of the turbulence that we experience? I, I just, this is just my own um, feeble mindset here, but I really think that life is always in the process of change. How many are always feeling change? It's just, I mean, you get used to something and it changes. We've talked about this before. And it's like, oh, man, it, it brings that turbulence into our life. Uh, the other one is you look a lot like your dad. And what I mean by that is we are created in the image of God. And we, we may put that out as a scripture, but the reality is there is an enemy that doesn't have a power over God. But he has the power to inflict pain upon God's children. I know when I've watched my kids go through something, I would rather take the place of that, that kid than watch them go through it. There's something that you want to hurt me the most, get at my children. And I look at this and I'm like, I really believe we suffer because the enemy is out to really make God pay the best that he can. And I think it is wreaking havoc in our life and causing pain and injury, whatever it may be. The last one is this, that we are just sometimes messed up. Now, anybody else just messed up every once in a while? Maybe you can raise a neighbor's hand. I don't know, man. I'm not sure. Sometimes we are just messed up. Now, I understand that we are Christians and we're like, I, 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 I want to follow Christ. I dedicate my life to Christ. And sometimes we get this concept that everything should just change and everything was going to be wonderful and great. And the reality of it is, I'm still buzz. It's still me here. I'm trying to surrender my life to Christ, but you cut me off in traffic and I didn't know what else to do but yell at you. There is still buzz in here. There is still selfishness that is going on. There is still frustration. There is still lust. There is still things that are alive that the Holy Spirit is working on in me. But guess what? I, I cause pain in my own life sometimes. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand every time, but anybody else cause pain? We cause turbulence in our own life. We, we mess up relationships. We say things. You ever done, have you ever said something that as soon as you've said it, you're like, man. But the pain of correcting is like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, I laugh at myself because I, um, I, I love to speak and, and share and everything like that. But it seems like outside of here I say so many of the wrong things and different things like this. We were on a trip to the beach um, down south, and a lady had helped us at this hotel. And she had um, helped us get a room and do all this stuff. The, the the plans were just so messed up, and she just really was patient with us and worked everything out. And as she is leaving our room, my family's in the room, and she has kind of helped us and calmed us down and everything. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. And um, as she's walking away, um, I, want, I want to say, hey, thank you for working all this out. That's what's in my head. Your mouth doesn't cooperate sometimes. And I said, hey, thanks for working out. That's what I said to her. Thanks for working out. I didn't feel like there was any way to recover from that. My family, I turned around, they were just laughing, and I just slammed the door. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not even going to try to recover from that. Um, I'm just, that, that's the end of that. Um, I, when, I, when I look at all this stuff, there's just sometimes we just mess up. I mean, no matter what it is, I want something different. Paul would talk about, hey, I want something different, but sometimes 
this is just me. And I'm so frustrated at times by that guy, but it just, this is me sometimes. And without Christ, I'm a wreck. And so this is what I want to look at today is how do we have this integrity that, that we not only take off strong, but we land strong and we don't disintegrate in the air. Maybe we mess up, but we don't disintegrate our whole faith and our life as we're, we're, we're making this trip. So this is what we want to look at today. And the one thing I want to make sure that I point out um, at the very beginning is that we have a way because we are, uh, it's just culture. It's just what we do. We learn culture, and sometimes we, we fool ourselves into believing that culture imitation is God change. And how many understand that there's a difference between culture imitation and God change? How many grew up in the church? Raise your hand if you grew up in the church. Man, I grew up in the church. I, that was just, oh, that's all I knew. I mean, that, that was it. I was like, like, I mean, they were praying for me all the time, but I grew up in the church. I mean, they were, they were worried about me. Um, but there is something that we do that we don't even, we're not even real conscious about it, but we begin to learn how to function in this, this group. I learn like when it clap, Hey, time to clap. I learn what words to say and what words not to say. We have a behavior that is adjusted to our culture. How many understand that? It just changed. Sometimes though, we forget and we get confused maybe that heart change is different than behavior change. How many understand that? I would rather have behavior change than heart change. Behavior change, when you're around me, I quit cussing, maybe. Um, When you're around me, when I come into the church, there's an adjustment. I I can do that, I think. I will watch you and I will learn what is acceptable here and what is not acceptable, and I'll, I'll adjust. Heart change, God gets into me and he starts messing with that stuff that is none of his business and he starts mess. I, it's just, it's painful. The other is very superficial and it's a great, and we feel like we're changing on, oh, we're changing a lot. The change really begins to happen for integrity when he begins to mess with your heart, when he begins to mess with something a little deeper than just the behavior. God, I pray that we would never Never confuse looking good for being just real before God. That he would just, just lay our lives open before him. How do we have this integrity, this wholeness that, that we're looking for? And I'm just going to, like I said, I'm just kind of talking to you today as we walk through this stuff. The first thing is this. I really believe we have to own our own junk, our own issues, our own problems. You may not have them, but, but I have them. We have to own our own issues. Um, <clears throat> when I, I was thinking about this and um, came across this video of when we're looking at airplanes and the integrity, this is a job that I would never want. Um, but check this video out. During the flutter or flight vibration test, the A380 crew must push the aircraft to its maximum theoretical speed. A limit that will undoubtedly test the structure's capacity to simply stay together. The flutter test is the only test where the flight crew must wear parachutes, helmets, and orange jumpsuits to aid identification should the worst happen. While the aircraft makes its way to a test area over southwest France, the monitoring equipment on board is already sending back information to the staff manning the telemetry station. 
Here, ex-pilots, engineers, and specialists study and analyze every imaginable parameter of the aircraft. To achieve certification, the A380 must reach just below Mach 1, the speed of sound, without experiencing abnormally strong vibrations. The only way to achieve this speed is to climb to 38,000 feet, then descend as rapidly as possible. It will take them several attempts, as increment by increment, they edge ever closer to a speed just below the infamous sound barrier. Somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, the A380 inches its way towards its target speed. Mach 0.92. Mach 0.93. But suddenly they hear a noise. Chief test pilot Jack Rosie has felt a twitch. After a quick consultation between the air and the ground, the flight crew decide to immediately halt the test. As soon as the A380 touches down, the crew hurry under the aircraft, where they quickly find the source of the problem. Because of the extreme vibrations, a large section of the undercarriage has become detached. Aircraft One will have to go to the hangar again, causing yet another delay that Airbus could definitely do without. How would you like that job? Hey, I need you to show up today, but I need you to wear a bright jumpsuit so we can identify you just in case anything goes wrong. I'm like, That's the day to call in sick right there. I don't know if you know that. That is, that is it. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then they do this thing called the flutter test where they're pushing this plane to the limits to find out, is it going to fail or is it, is it going to succeed? What's, what's going to happen? And the interesting thing to me is they experienced a problem. They set it down, of course, and then they get out and they walk around and they go, look, look, there's a problem. We've got we to gotta deal with this problem. In our lives, I think that a flutter test is really almost every day of our life. How many understand that there are certain days that we just make it through, kind of like with unicorn and bunny things? I mean, it's like, wonderful, oh, wonderful, leprechauns. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful day. And then the majority of the days feel like a flutter test. It feels like... Okay, I feel like I can't take any more pressure. And then what happens when I feel that way? Something else happens. There's more pressure that comes about. And there's some things, whether it is relationship, whether it is a job, whether it is expectations in life, whatever it is, it is this thing that begins to make you like vibrate because you're anxious, because you're angry, because you're upset, whatever it is. I call that our flutter test. And it begins to rock our faith or it begins to shake our faith. And I think sometimes, unlike these pilots, we just keep trying to cruise. All we've got to do is keep going. We just got to keep going. And the reality is we've got injured relationships. We've got secret sins. We've got things that we don't want to deal with. So we just keep pushing ahead. It hasn't stopped me yet. They didn't rip their wing off yet. So we just keep going. Sometime that wing is going to rip off. And in our lives, we have these things that we don't like to deal with. When my wife and I were first married, she had this name that she called me um, that was a quite loving name that she said, oh, so you are Jesus's other brother. And um, the idea behind that was not a very nice thing. Um, mean lady. No, <laughs> you guys need to meet my wife. You guys think I'm, I'm mean. I'm really... She's an amazing woman. Can you wave over there? Oh, she's hiding in embarrassment right there. There she is. 
She's an amazing woman, and she has put up with a lot of junk. When we were first married, um, I was I was a punk and super spiritual because that's just how I was. Um, and I remember at our wedding, not even like we were having communion, and they wanted to put like grape juice in like the the um, wine glass. And I'm like, shun the very appearance of evil. I will not even have something like that at my wedding. I think I spoke like that. King James makes us a little bit more spiritual. And so you speak like that. Um, and, and I would do these things. But um, I remember praying one day and um, the Lord gave me a list of things that were wrong with her. And being the faithful, godly husband that I am, um, I wrote those things down for her because I want us to be the spiritual godly couple. So I, I, I wrote them down and um, I got home from prayer and I gave them to her uh, for real. No, I did this. No, I, I gave them to her and I said, hey, you know, I was praying and this is what God said you need to fix about yourself. <laughs> See, you're already smarter than what I was, man. Yeah. Just don't do that. Just that's all I'm saying. Don't do that. Um, it didn't work real well. It didn't. She didn't. She didn't take kindly to that. Um, and I think I forgot this part, like in the first service. But I was kind of shocked by that. I'm like, oh my god, I don't even know what's going on. And um, it was. It was like in prayer that God said, "Hey, stupid, that wasn't for her. That was for you." And I'm like, oh really? I, oh, I didn't. I didn't get that. Like Mr. Obvious. I don't know, man. Um, I look at this, and it's it's an amazing thing. And I became. And I was sharing this in the in the first service. I didn't want to deal with the junk that was going on inside me, so I amped up my spirituality. And I amped up being holy, and I amped up looking good, and I amped up sounding good. And yet, as a 21-year, we got married at 20, but as 21, I'm dealing with a struggle with pornography behind the scenes that I don't want anybody to know about. I'm called into ministry. I'm married. Um, Man, it's a lot easier to look good than it is to deal with the junk that's inside you. There's a scripture, there's two scriptures I want to look at, and this is the one, 1 John 1, 8 says this, If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Um, James 4, 7 through 10 says this, So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's something about stepping back from all the stuff and just examining your life. Some of us have these rips that were in the video. We have, we have injuries that are going on in our life that we keep pushing forward and we don't want to evaluate. But I want you to check out your relationships. How are those going? And I understand we can blame everybody else. How are those relationships going on your part? What you can do? How are, how's your attitude? How's your, the secret sin stuff going on? Begin to evaluate things in our life because we have some junk that goes on. And a lot of times it's much easier to keep moving forward than it is to kind of look at this and go, God, what do you want to do in me? If we are going to have the ability to keep our faith strong, we have to be real. And part of being real is understanding that we have weaknesses. We have junk inside. Sometimes I don't like you. And sometimes you don't like me. And it's just a reality. Sometimes I mess up. 
the cool thing about this is this is not a story about me. This is a story about what God is doing in us and me. How many understand that? Sometimes I want to be that picture that is perfect. So you see my life and you go, that's a godly man right there. God wants you to see him in my life. That's what he's looking for. We've got to deal with the junk. We've got to be humble. I hate humility. I don't mind being humble as far as trying to be humble. I hate when I have to be humbled. To go to your wife and to go, I may be struggling with pornography. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? Uh, To walk other people through this then over the years as God has kind of helped me through this. Go, there's junk in our lives that we need to deal with. Not dealing with it is, is like allowing the enemy to set a bomb inside our plane. And at any time, he can ignite that thing. It just, boom! And the integrity of our plane just is demolished. There's stuff that we have to deal with that I don't want to deal with. And it's a lot harder than behavior change because it, it usually is crushing and it's painful. And yet it's part of the God process in becoming the person that he wants you to become. Also in knowing the God that he wants you to know. We've got to deal with our junk. Number two is this. We've got to know God. I love, I love Rick and these guys that are here. Coming to ch- How many wake up and excited to come to church? How many just wake up and you barely drag yourself to church? Like, yeah. You thought you were going to a football game today, but you ended up here. Huh? There's something about being around people that we are encouraged by, hopefully. And what a great place we have here. We've got a great leader, great teaching. We, we get word, the word. We've got all this. Stuff. And yet there has to be something within us that takes us from dependent upon parents, from dependent upon Rick, from dependent upon preachers on the radio or the TV to going, God, how do I connect with you? How do I do this? If, if you don't know how to connect with God on your own, you're missing out on the connection that God wants. It's not about connecting to church all the time. It is going, do you know how to connect to God? The integrity of your faith, the strength of your faith is not dependent enough on North Point and the strength of its leaders. The dependent, the, the integrity of your faith depends on, do you know how to get a hold of God? Do you know how to, how to pull that time aside? Now, we try to train people and like, you need a quiet time, you need to do this. Need, but we are all wired so differently. Some of you love to worship and you can get a hold of God. How many are worshipers here? You just, I love it. Uh, so the music and everything, we're doing our karaoke thing and you come in here going, oh, I love it. Some of you are going, I just want that to be done. And let's get to the preaching because I'm more of a, a thinker and I want to think. I love to write. As I pray, I love to write. Um, it's not a diary. It's a journal because that's a lot more manly. Um, and so I, I journal before God. I just I write down these things. We've got to figure out for ourselves how do we connect with God. And it's usually awkward at first. And it seems like nothing is going on. And it may not happen every time I sit down that I just write down something that, man, this was a God thing. But as I begin to walk through my life, 
I can sense, God, I see you working. I wish you would speak to me every day, but you're not. But as I look back, I'm seeing your fingerprints along my life. We've got to figure out how do we connect with God or we're going to lose out on the strength and the intimacy. There's something beyond church. I love this, but there's something beyond church that God is calling you to. And it's this intimacy with him. Just to know him. To get in the word of God and to study and to go, oh, this is what you're really like. I I didn't realize. The word of God is basically God and, and how he connects with people. And God hasn't changed in all these years. And people haven't changed in all these years. It's still a relevant thing. So we've got to figure out, God, what are you like? What are you like? And how do, I, how do I connect? Find out how you connect with God. The third one is this. We've got to forgive often. I hate this one. I was telling the, the, um, the, the first service that, and maybe I've said this before, that some of you like, how many highlight in your Bible? You highlight in your Bible or you underline? There's a lot of scriptures that I just like to get a big black Sharpie marker and just highlight that way. Let's just block that out. That's a little too personal. I really don't like that. This whole forgiving thing, I love the idea when it's coming to me. When I have messed up and I've said stupid things to my wife or my children or whoever it may be, and forgiveness is applied towards me. They're patient with me. and they're like, oh. I'm like, oh, I love forgiveness. That's great, you know. I hate when I have to really, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of pain, in the middle of all this stuff, submit to these ideas that are in our New Testament of forgiving. And yet there's something that is so healing about forgiveness. If you haven't experienced this, I think this is a spiritual thing that is going on when we forgive. That it is, it's a releasing. It's a trusting God to be bigger than our power. It's a, a trusting God to be in control of our life. And it is this forgiving. But part of forgiving is that it is more than just saying I forgive. It is just continually walking in there. How many, and again, I'll ask a lot of questions. You don't have to raise your hand each time. How many understand that I, I wish that I could forgive one time and that it would go away? But you continue to tick me off. No, no, no. It continues to come back, right? How many understand? I, I forgive you, and then something comes back, and it comes. There is something about continuing to submit offenses to God. Would you look through the New Testament? I mean, when, when Christ is in the middle, I, I, I don't like when people write about things they haven't experienced necessarily. And I, I look at some people and I'm, I look at their life and I'm going, dude, have you ever experienced pain in your life? Um, we have a friend that is like a golden child and we love him, but he drives us crazy sometimes. He is a very close friend. We did smile this week because they have one of those robotic vacuums. And we always felt like, oh, nothing ever goes wrong in their life. And we were probably wrong in rejoicing at this at all. But the dog had pooped on the floor and they didn't find it. And the robotic thing ran over it and then spread it. Throughout the house, my heart was broken a little bit, but there was a little bit of smiling in me. When we're when we're talking about forgiveness and and stuff like that, there is this human side of us that wants to lay there and stay in there, and we have to understand that that forgiveness is just giving this to God. When Christ is in the middle of this pain on the cross, He's forgiving people. 
when Paul, is, when he's talking to Timothy and he's talking about, hey, I was in a trial and all this stuff and I, everybody um, had forsaken me. I was there alone. But I hope God doesn't hold that against people. I'm like, where does that come from? There has to be this working going on in us that we forgive and we let it go and we leave it alone. It may come back. I, took, I said that there was a, a bush in our yard that we pulled out, but the roots kept on shooting up the little plants again. They kept trying to grow back up, and I, I had to keep pulling those out. I'd go back like a month later, and there it would be again, and I'd have to keep pulling that out. And I'm doing the best I can to, to de-root everything around there, and yet it's still there. But that's what I have to do. And I think that's what we have to do with our forgiveness, is that I have to keep pulling those roots out. Because the enemy would love to come along and to reseed that in my life, to reseed that hurt, to reseed that. And Christ is going, you've got to forgive as I forgave you. You've got to do that. Okay, all right, I don't know how, but... You're going to have to help me. So we've got to forgive often. The fourth thing is this. You've got to know love personally. This is huge because I think a lot of times we know about God. And I think I've said this before that I can tell you how great God is and how wonderful God is. But to really be broken before God and to know that he loves you, to myself, that, that, that he loves you or he loves me, that it's a personal thing, is so hard. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many struggle sometimes when, when we're going, God is passionate about you. God loves you. God forgives you. God, God is your biggest cheerleader. I mean, he is there for you. For some of us, it's hard to wrap our mind around that concept. Yes, he's a loving God, but I know me. I know all this stuff. To become stable in our faith. And to walk to the next place that God has for you, you have to comprehend this God loves you. This God loves you. There's a scripture that says in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not, come, does not know God, for God is love. There's something about loving God. And that kind of oozes through me, if you will. And I have the ability to love you. But I have to experience the love of God. It's not just that God tolerates you. God is crazy about you. I saw a cake online that was a, it looked like a Valentine's um, Day's cake. And it was the heart. And oh, oh it's so cute. Um, and then in the middle, it just said, I tolerate you. <laughs> I'm like, how many times do we feel like that as Christians, that God just tolerates us? God, I'm just coming before you. I'm so, you know, God is crazy about you. He loves you. You have to comprehend that or the rest of your journey into faith just doesn't make sense. He's waiting for you to embrace that and to go, you are loved. You are loved. You've got to comprehend that. I don't have the ability to love others. We've also, another part of that love is I have to let others love me. Part of the, the, the stupid thing in life is that sometimes I have to be humble and you have to come beside me and help me because I can't help myself. 
We were in Oklahoma. We had um, left two secure jobs and um, had, had gone down to Oklahoma to begin ministry down there. We were making nothing, um, but we were in ministry. We were like, oh, yay. We were making baskets for the poor people around the neighborhood and everything um, for Thanksgiving. And I love doing that. We always love helping people. It's so great. All of a sudden, like, our doorbell rang a couple of days after all these things had been prepped. Crazy people from our church had a basket for us. The anger that came over me at first was like, I just, I just wanted to slam the door. I don't need you. I don't, I don't, I'm, we're fine. I'm, I can take care of my family. In fact, we're eating a little bird we found out in the backyard this week. It's going to be a small thing, but it's going to be good. Uh, I, don't, I don't need that help. And God just had to really teach me. You know, Buzz, sometimes it's not about you being the one that provides, but it's allowing people to love and to care for you. Oh, I hate that concept. I hate it. I want to be there for you. I want to be that person that's encouraging you. I don't want you to have to come and help me. And yet the way that God created this body, we need each other. We need each other. So this love is not only coming from God and us loving others, but it's us receiving love from others. And the last thing is this. Don't give up. I don't know where you are in your faith today or in your spiritual journey. Maybe, maybe this summer has, has just been horrible. Maybe you're looking towards school and going, ah, whatever. I, I don't know where you are. But the integrity of our faith is de- it, it depends upon us not giving up. You may want to give up, and we all want to give up. At times, we want to walk away. My encouragement to you is don't give up. Ask the stupid questions. Deal with the doubt. Deal with the anger. How many, don't raise your hand, but sometimes we feel like everybody else has it together and I just don't, I don't even get what's going on. Ask the questions. Deal with the doubt. Deal with the anger. Get up. Deal with the failure. Don't let failure be your last effort. Do whatever it takes to stay real. There's always going to be the thing that is saying, just let your behavior change. And I want to challenge you, do whatever it takes to be real. Don't give up on ripping everything apart and going, God, this is ugly. And I wish I wasn't like this, but this is me. And God is going, you know something? This is the one I love. There's a scripture that's always at the football games. You always see at the end, John 3:16. We sing country songs about it, yada yada yada. Um, that's great. And because it's it's so out there all the time, we kind of lose the impact of it. But it says that God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. That's love. I, I want you to comprehend this. Check. This isn't just a thing for football games or a country song. The reality of Scripture is saying that God loved us so much. He's not tolerating us. God loved us so much. I'm not sending my son for you. I love, I, I love you guys. Okay, cool. I'm not going to sacrifice my family for you. In fact, I, I, I will make sure I avoid that. I can't even imagine doing that. And yet it says that God loved you so much that he sacrificed the very thing that he loved for us. So that he could connect with us. There's another one that says that in the midst of our sin, this is talking about Christ for us. In the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. It wasn't when I was trying to be good. 
It wasn't when I was trying to look good. It was when I had no freaking interest in Christ at all that he died for me. That's love. I don't even understand that kind of love. Yet there is a God that is so passionate about you that he's saying, I'm not, I don't care if you're interested in me. I'm interested in you. I don't care if you're going to make the steps forward. I'm going to make the steps forward. And we're going to get this thing going. There's something that he wants to do in our lives. Don't give up on what he has for us. up the service this morning and worship.